Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Moravian Church, and welcome to this worship by phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, January 31st. Call this number back each week for a new worship by phone recording, and call back at any time this week if you need to hear this one again. Well, this past Sunday, uh, January 31st, was the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, and we used this Sunday to, I guess, worship in a little bit different way. Uh, we looked at our watchwords, knowing that that Sunday was the, the Sunday of our annual church council meeting, where we look back in the 2020 and see what we did then, and look ahead into 2021. We used our watchwords during worship to do exactly the same thing. Uh, so you'll hear me give two different mini-sermons, one on our watchword from last year and one on our watchword from this year. So you'll hear a few different voices in this service as well. Right after me, you will hear Gail Justice read our first scripture reading. So you will hear her read our watchword from 2020. It comes from Nehemiah 9, verse 6. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. So then you'll hear me talk a little bit about that. Uh, you'll hear some special music that was offered from a video made by former Edgeboro member Betty Louie and then her parents David and Sylvia Tang. They will be uh, playing an instrumental version of Spirit of the Living God. After that, you will hear the voice of Andrew Miller read from Ephesians uh, 1 verses 11 through 13 because our watchword for 2021 comes from verse 18. With the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And then you'll hear me preach on the, the passage that, that surrounds that. Uh, finally, you will hear the voice, uh, my voice, along with uh, Tom Pfeiffer. Uh, we will go through a liturgy together to close uh, our time of worship. Uh, and then you will hear Andrew and Gail uh, sing and play together uh, the hymn, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. So with that, let us quiet our hearts for worship as we hear our first scripture reading for today. The first scripture reading is from Nehemiah 9, verses 6 through 15. And Ezra said, You are the Lord, you alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. To all of them you give life, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And you found his heart faithful before you and made with him a covenant to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, the Girgashite, and you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the distress of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they had acted insolently against our ancestors. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day, and you divided the sea before them, so that they passed through the sea on dry land, but you threw their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way in which they should go. 
you came down also upon Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them the right ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commandments and statutes and a law through your servant Moses. For their hunger you gave them bread from heaven, and for their thirst you brought water out of them from the rock. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you swore to give them. So finally, we get to focus on the church's watchwords for uh, last year and then for this year during the service. We plan to do this service uh, uh, three weeks ago. Uh, but current events and the Holy Spirit's leading uh, had us go in a very different direction. But we get back to it today, and appropriately so, because later on today during the church council meeting, we will in fact be looking at 2020 and then ahead into 2021. So it's fitting that we do the same thing during worship. So first, let's look back on 2020 a little bit. A year that still doesn't quite feel like it's ended with all that's happened and all that has carried over into this year. I mean, my goodness, it's an understatement to say that things were hard. Our watchword for the year, which we heard read, was from Nehemiah 9.6, that very first verse that we heard read, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. Now, just reading this watchword at face value, I, I suppose it's comforting to know that through all that was 2020, the greatness of God seemed to rise to the top. Our God is bigger than any pandemic or any election or anything like that, and that in and of itself is good news. But a little bit of context adds a whole lot more depth to this watchword. And we'll see that it matches our situation even better than we thought. So hundreds of years before Jesus came around, the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, conquered the Israelites. They destroyed the Holy Temple, which is where they thought God resided, which is where they worshipped. And then they forced them into exile. So the story of Nehemiah, as well as the story of Ezra, the, the book of the Bible, Ezra, they're paired to go together. And they pick up a generation or two later after the Israelites are forced from Jerusalem and forced from Israel. So the Israelites were still in exile, but the kings that were in place, where they actually were, in this case in Persia, allowed a certain number of groups to go back to Jerusalem, a certain number of groups of Israelites to go back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding things. So there were three men who led groups to go back, according to Scripture. One was Jerubbabel, one was Nehemiah, and one was Ezra. And it's Ezra that we hear speak today. Ezra the priest, as he became known, led a series of, of Torah readings, or, or holy law readings, scripture readings, and worship services to get people reacclimated with their religion once again. Remember, for many of these people, it had been a generation or two since they had been back to Jerusalem, many of which might not have even lived in Jerusalem. They were born in exile, coming back to something that no one was really quite familiar with. So it was up to Ezra to kind of restore the religion among the Israelites. And so he was doing this in a number of different ways with a number of different worship services. 
In the passage that Gail read for us, we happen to be listening in on Ezra during a, a, a worship service that he, is, that he is leading. And it happens to be a worship service of confession and lament. We know this because just before our reading picked up for today, we hear Ezra instruct his worshipers to, to fast ahead of time and then to wear sackcloths with ash or dirt on their faces or, or, or heads. This was a, a traditional look, a traditional way to approach confession and lament at that time. Think Ash Wednesday. It, it, it has some similar aspects to, to that. In any case, Ezra goes on for a long time speaking about how God fulfilled God's promises, and that's what this reading was about today over and over again to the Israelites over the course of history, even though the Israelites kept breaking off their relationship with God and sinning or, or doing something that they weren't supposed to. We heard Ezra talk about Abram or Abraham. Uh, and then a little while later, uh, he talked about Egypt and Moses leading up even to the current day if we keep reading onward, all about God's promises and God's faithfulness. Each time the Israelites broke something off with God, God was right there to come back each time, even up to that current day. Now, all of this, this reminder of God's faithfulness and of God's promises, they begin with the, the first line that Ezra says during worship. He does speak some instruction, but the very first line of, of worship is our watchword, saying, you, God, are the Lord. You made everything and still... You are faithful to us, and you keep your promises. And here are all the ways in which you have done that before. So here they are, these new Israelites, learning how to worship again, worshiping in difficult times, remembering again the truth of God's promises. There are some strong similarities into what we had to do this year. We weren't forced from our homes for years on end or anything like that, but in 2020, we, along with many other churches, we're not special in this regard, but our, just like our watchword and, and, and the context that goes into it, in 2020, Edgeboro too had to learn how to worship again. And we too had to worship during some really difficult times. And we too had to remember how faithful God has been to us in the past, so that we could continue to rely on God's promises each day ahead. Most especially the promise that God is still with us, even when we cannot worship within the walls of this church. So in hindsight, this watchword was really quite fitting for 2020. But how will our new watchword guide us into 2021? Well, Ultimately, we don't know, but in order to look into that a little bit more, let's start with reading a passage from where our watchword comes from.
This scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been designed, or having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as when you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know that what, with this hope to which has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in his heavenly places, far above the rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made them the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So again, let me start off with a bit of context to show some similarity between us and what is going on in the scripture passage. First, you should know that there are 14 letters in the New Testament that are assumed to be from the Apostle Paul. Only seven of those letters are considered undisputed uh, among biblical scholars. Most scholars are confident that those seven letters, that being Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Thessalonians, and Philemon, uh, are undisputedly written by Paul. The others have some debates among their origins. Ephesians is one of those. Now, this doesn't necessarily make it more authentic, it just means that there is a possibility that this wasn't written by Paul directly. So I just wanted to put that out there as, I guess, an educational moment. 
to say that traditionally this is understood to be a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison. And he's writing this to a church that he had helped get started and spent a really good amount of time with, and one, a church that he, if he could, would like to go back to, but he can't. So instead, he writes to them, and in a part of that writing, the part that Andrew read, he is praying for those in the church. Now, being separated from fellow church members and finding other ways to connect with them, all while keeping them in prayer, sure does sound a lot like our situation, our situation right now. So the context from which our watchword comes is important to know. Now, as Paul prays, he prays for a lot of things. Just in this passage alone, but there's more that we did not read. Interestingly enough, while this first chapter is 23 verses long, in Greek, this chapter is really only a couple sentences long. These sentences are huge. In fact, verse 15 through 23, which made up the majority of our reading for today, is thought to have been one gigantic sentence in Greek written by Paul. So I could have had Andrew read all of this in one breath, which knowing Andrew, if I asked, he would have. And that's part of the reason why I didn't ask him to do it in the first place. But in any case, this is all one big sentence. And I bring that up to say that our watchword, while picked out from this, is connected to all this. So Edgeboro's watchword is, is one of many things, and in this particular part of, of Scripture, three things that Paul is particularly praying for. So I guess in getting one watchword, we get a little bonus with that too. Because Paul in verses 17, 18, and 19, as kind of one chunk, says... I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know, one, what is the hope to which he has called you, two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. So living with hope, the ability to live as saints and witness to and act with the power of God, those are three incredible gifts that Paul is praying for that church to have. I pray that we might all pray those three things for this congregation as well as many others too. But our watchword does draw particular attention to one of those three things. Hope. A big part of hope is looking toward a better imagined future, and more specifically as a Moravian essential and something that we're called to do, hope is looking not towards just a future or our desired future, but God's desired future. And boy, I hope we've been doing a lot of that these days. I know we've been looking forward to the future a whole lot. I hope that we've been looking forward to what God has in store for our future too. But the hard thing about holding on to hope, and I guess especially in difficult times like we are in, the hard thing about holding on to hope is that we don't know what the future holds. 
We don't know what 2021 will hold. We don't know what's on the other side of a pandemic. And so even though we might have hope for a better tomorrow, we don't exactly know what we are realistically hoping for. And so in this kind of tension of hoping for something and not really knowing what to hope for, I offer this poem by Emily Dickinson, who has words about this far more elegantly put than I would ever put them. So here's a short poem from Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity. It asked a crumb of me. That poem is great because it says that in cold and dark and strange or fearful places, we can feel hope. We can still hear it. And even if we don't know what hope's pointing to yet, even if we don't know the words, of the song of hope that we might be hearing, we can still get the gist of it. We have a feeling of where hope is going, and that's enough. So last year, our watchword guided us to remember God's promises in difficult times so that our watchword this year can point us to looking forward, remembering all the times God was faithful, but then looking forward and listening to the tune of hope, even though we don't know the words and even though we don't know what is in store yet, but we can look to hope and look to the future because we know, we already know that God is faithfully singing that tune of hope and calling us closer and closer to God and calling us to live in the ways of truth and love and peace. May this be so, and may hope from God be what guides us through this year. Though we might have unanswered questions, we can hold on to hope. Amen. And so as we uh, talk about watchwords and things like that, uh, we use a, a liturgy, or a litany if you will, uh, that uh, is, is used by uh, many churches in the, uh, in the southern province during uh, their watch night services at midnight on Christmas Eve. And so uh, uh, we use that, that liturgy now, and Tom, I'll invite you over as well. And we pray this prayer together. Oh God, with whom a thousand years are as a day, with hushed spirits and as quiet of your sanctuary, we pause when two years meet, that we may see with clear eyes the glory of the old and with brave spirits lay hold on the promise of the new. We lift up our hearts to you, O Lord. O Lord, we thank you for this magnificent earth, our great, our great home for its vastness and its riches, and for the manifold life which teems upon it and which we are a part of. For the love of friends and family kept strong and safe throughout the year. We humbly rejoice and give thanks. For the cross of Christ, 
and his exceedingly bitter sacrifice for the truths which there were brought to light, for the love unbounded which there was freely given, and the costly salvation which there was offered to us, your people. For the harm we have done to others and the good we have neglected to do, for the selfishness that has marred our lives and the love we have not exercised. O Lord, be merciful to us and forgive us. Grant us honesty to face ourselves as we confront another year. Save us from self-deceit and from the weakness of making excuses. Prepare us with inner strength and spiritual resources that we may be, that we may be adequate for all that lies before us. Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us this blessing. We confess the unworthy living that has stained the record of the year now past. We ask for pardon, for grace to make restitution, for a clean heart and a right spirit with which to enter this new year. We lift up our hearts unto you, O Lord. Confirm now in each of us some worthy decision. Bring us to the New Year's beginning with such vision of duty, such resolution to perform it, and such resources for its consummation that whether in this new year ahead we lie or fall asleep, we may be honored and unashamed before you. O Lord, hear our prayer and grant us your power and your peace. Amen. Amen.